I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Lord, thank you for this word that you gave me and for the way it inspired me. My prayer is today that I can hear you clearly enough to share your heart with the people of God. That the people of God can hear you clearly enough to be able to adjust their lives to what you're teaching today. Lord, I'm convinced that this word, no word, is just for our emotional uh, good. But it is for the good of our life in Christ Jesus. So change us today. Transform us by the renewing of our minds. So that we might be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God in the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to speak today from the topic, you do have faith. We're in a new series called the Faith Series. Next four Sundays, I'm not sure if they're five or not, I think they're only four. We will be ministering, teaching, preaching on faith. Hard to preach faith. Because you don't want people to become so enthusiastic about the sound of it, that they don't get the intent of it. So you tend to want to teach faith, but then you get so happy about it, you end up preaching. So today I want to try and teach, but you know how it goes. So that we understand the tone of this letter to the Roman church, we must understand the meaning of the word beseech. Beseech means to implore, to beg, or urgently or anxiously to request earnestly. He beseeches or implores them by or in view of the mercies of God. Mercies is to be seen as the compassion and sympathetic actions of God. The Greek usage of the word points out the quality of God's compassion in that his compassion moved him to action. God saw the condition of man being dead in their sin and felt compassion for them and did something about it. And by the way, he is begging the Adelphos, the brethren, the fellow believers, the brothers and sisters in Christ to give themselves to God totally. He says, I beseech you by the mercies of God, the compassions and the sympathetic actions of God. Let that be your motivator for giving yourself wholly to God, for being this living sacrifice he talks about. Sacrifices were living when they were brought to the altar, but they died on the altar. The difference between that sacrifice and this sacrifice is that this sacrifice continues to live on. They died to themselves and to their flesh, and they are now alive unto God. 
You see, it's one thing to watch a lamb die for you. It's another thing for you to be the one who dies. This is what he's asking for from us. That we die to our flesh and our selfish ways. And, and whenever it is that you feel like you can't die, he says, remember the mercies of God. Remember the compassionate and sympathetic actions of God who saw you in your sin and redeemed you with the blood of his son. Touch your na- neighbor and say, remember, remember, remember. What is it that he wants for them? Notice that I do not use the word from them. What is it that he wants for them? Well, number one, he wants them uh, to present their entire selves to God as a living sacrifice. Number two, that they do not adapt to the culture around them, but rather while living in the culture, they experience a holy mind change that changes who they are at their core, producing lives that reflect the glory of God. Number three, that they be humble and have a sober judgment of themselves. Or as Mofat says, take a sane view of themselves. Number one, he wants them to devote them, their entire selves to God as a living sacrifice. Everything, their marriage, the way they are on their job, the way they are in their private life, not just worship, but every portion of their lives. Number two, he does not want them to adapt to the culture around them, but he wants them to have what's called the holy mind change that changes who they are at their core so that their everyday life reflects the glory of God in the culture that they live in. And number three, he wants them to remember to be humble and have a sober judgment of themselves. And as Mofat says, I like this, take a sane view of who they are. And they ought to do all of this in the words of the NIV version of the Bible in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. That's the verse I want to key in on. According to the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. Of you, We're supposed to have a sane view, a, a humble view, a, a pride-free view of ourselves. Uh, yes, and we're supposed to give ourselves totally to God and not, not conform to the culture, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we're always to remember, watch this, where we came from, where we started at, so that we don't get full of ourselves. See, I wondered, I wondered, when you go down in verse 4, he starts talking about different gifts. If you take a look at it in your Bibles, he starts talking about the gifts that are given by God. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm saying, why are you talking about this whole thing with, with, with the sacrifice and, and, and with nonconformity and transformation and humility? And then you slide into this thing about gifts. Some people have misunderstood and thought that this was written only to preachers and deacons and people like that who had calls in their lives, you know, apostles who had things that God called them to, ministers, uh, you understand, elders, um, they thought it was just for them. But the reality is that everybody, watch this, everybody has been given uh, the measure of faith. Now, I like the way the King James says, it. it says the measure of faith. And some says a measure of faith. Now, a measure of faith would lead you to believe that everybody's been given something different. But the way the King James puts it, it says everybody's been given the measure of faith. So God has given every person in this room the measure of of faith. That's why the topic of our sermon today is you do have faith. I personally do not see humility in the believer as the only struggle we have. I don't see that as the only problem. Can we talk today? I don't see that as the only issue that believers struggle with. 
I see something else. I see a lack of godly confidence as another part of our problem. Certainly, there are those who have too much confidence in themselves. But on the other hand, there are those who have too little. (laughs) There's some who are cocky. And then there are some who feel insignificant. This is why the call, watch this, is for sober judgment of ourselves. With faith as the measure. Catch it. Faith is the measure. So when you think about faith being the measure, it's like a cubit, an ounce, a pound, an inch, a mile. It is the unit of measurement. So it is not implying necessarily that God gives each person a certain measure of faith, but that faith itself is the measure. Catch it. So it doesn't mean that God gave apostle a pound of faith, Elder Johnson a half pound, gave Cherie two pounds, gave Mother Trapio ten pounds, gave uh, Nelson twenty pounds. So God was just giving people different amounts of faith. No, faith is the measure for, come on, your measurement. It is the measure. Catch it now. Watch this. Watch this. As children of God, we should never say, I don't have any faith. To say this is to say that God is a liar. His word already tells us that God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Why then does faith, uh, the faith of some seem to be stronger than others? See, I, we, we, we think about this measure of faith thing and what we think about it because somebody's faith is stronger than somebody else's that that person has more. That somehow God gave apostle an unfair advantage over me. No, 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 no. Everybody has been given a measure of faith. So why is it that it seems to be that some people's faith is stronger than others? Well, faith is like muscles. We are all born with a measure of muscles. (laughs) But some of us develop our muscles better than others. Y'all go talk to me here. Bodybuilders, for example, build, right? They exercise, excuse me, their muscles very regularly to make them what? Grow bigger and stronger. Likewise, your measure of faith grows when you feed and use it. Each time you hear or read God's word, you are feeding your faith. When you confess God's word and expect good things to happen to you, you are using it. And the more you use it, the more your faith grows. Joseph Prince. You see, the reality is, is that God is not around here cherry picking who he wants to give certain amounts of faith to. He's given the measure of faith to everybody. Faith is our measure. But some of us just happen to be using our faith more than others. And if you don't use it, it won't grow. Somebody say to yourself, I do have faith. I'm going to say it again. I do have faith. Stop beating yourself down. Because you look at other people around you that seem to be doing stuff. 
and you're not doing it and, and you're listening to these people who are full of pride who say the reason that this happened to me is because I got all this faith and we're talking about it in the back. The reality is a lot of times we were struggling in our faith and God just blessed because it was his plan. Funny how we were scared and shaking in our boots, Cherie, but when we get up in front of the church, we say it was all faith. The reality is, is it was God's plan anyway to do what he did. And even though we struggled in our faith, God did it anyhow. So give God the glory. Because see, that's the measure. The measure is everything traces back to God. The measure is if you preach good, it traces back to God. If you got healed, it traces back to God. If you got delivered, it traces back to God. It didn't have anything to do with you. It had to do with God. And that's the measure. Whether you're an apostle or a preacher or a pastor or a deacon or a doorkeeper, we all got the measure. Come on, y'all. It all is by the power of the almighty God. We had to put our faith in God in order for it to happen. So it ain't about levels. It's about the measure. So if you don't ever lift weights, your muscles never get stronger. They never get bigger. You are not going to think yourself stronger. Coming to church is not going to build your faith muscles. You're going to have to have some opportunity to exercise that thing. So when the trials come, that's an exercise session. Just think about it. Just say, I'm in the faith gym today. Anybody been to the faith gym lately? Anybody been to the, you're just in the faith gym. And when you come out of this session, you're going to be stronger than you were when you went in. It's just, you know, that's what happens with the faith thing. You think that somebody got more than you. No, the difference is they use theirs more than you did. The pillar New Testament commentary says, without faith, none of the gifts can be exercised. Listen now, without faith, none of the gifts can be exercised. The gift of administration, the gift of prophecy, tongues, talk to me, healing. Without faith, none of them can be exercised. And faith is the standard. That's what it is. The standard of faith. Faith is the standard whereby they ought to be estimated. If we take this with full seriousness, seeing God is the sole author of the gifts and ourselves is totally dependent on him for them all, it is unlikely that we will be arrogant. Humility proceeds from genuine faith. Let me tell you something. When you know that God did it, you can't have no pride. <laughs> but when you think you did it, you walk with your chest stuck out. Uh, some of us just need to shout real quick. God did it. <laughs> Keeps you humble. Now watch this now. Humility proceeds from genuine faith. There is another thought here though. I love this part. When we see that God is the giver of all of the gifts and that faith is the measure, we will not deny our own gifts either. 
Being sober-minded means recognizing what God has given us and being zealous in its use as well as humble. Here's what this means. When you realize that faith is the measure, watch this, and that everything comes from God, you will not underestimate what you are capable of. You will not underestimate what you're able to overcome. You will not underestimate if God calls you to do something, you won't be afraid, but you will be zealous to move toward it because you know that your ability to do it is not based in yourself, but it's based in God in whom you have faith. Many times believers are so afraid, we are so scared, we won't admit it in church, but in one-on-ones, believers confess to me that they are afraid, that they are frightened by life. And then you have other believers who are strong and stand bold in their faith, and they feel like if I could just get more faith, I'll be all right. God, give me more faith. Increase my faith. And God is saying, I've given you the measure of faith. All you have to do is just believe me and I'll do for you what I did for them and even if I don't do it the same keep trusting me because if you believe me I will bring you through somebody shout amen look at your neighbor say you do have faith no you do you do you don't lack faith you are not without faith you do not have a faith deficit you do have faith you just have to use what you have Stop underestimating yourself. Stop putting yourself on the lower portion of the faith spectrum. You see somebody believe for something? You believe too. God is not a respecter person, but a respecter principle. He respects principle. He respects his word. He respects how we're supposed to operate. And without faith, you cannot please God. Listen, you have faith. Somebody say, I have faith. I'm going to prove it to you. How many of you are saved in here? You know how you got saved? Faith. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Come on. But have everlasting life. But there's another scripture. Let's go to the next scripture. What does it say there? For by grace are you saved. Through what? Now, focus on the through faith. Grace is the Grace is the object, it's got what it's vehicle what that got you saved. But it came through faith. So if grace is the vehicle, faith is the road. You had to have faith in his saving grace in order to be saved. So if you are saved, you have faith. Say, I have faith. It's in you. The question is, what are you doing with it? Somebody say, I have it. Back in the holiness church, you say, I got it. I got it. You got, you have it. 
I'm not going to come and stand up here today and say, you need to go get more faith. You need to do this. You, you have faith. My encouragement to you is work it. You had enough faith to get saved. You had enough faith to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Well, then go on and have enough faith to get healed from that cold. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. Saving you is a bigger miracle than paying off your house. Redeeming you from sin is a bigger miracle than anything else. Somebody said, I do have faith. That light is bright. You have faith. Hear me. You have faith. You confess with your mouth, right? You believe in your heart, right? That God raised Jesus from the dead. You got faith. God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son that whosoever be even in him should not perish but have everlasting. You going to heaven? You got faith. You have faith that he going to come back on a cloud and get you. You have faith that if you die, that he going to raise you up from the grave and that all your stuff that dissolved going to come back together and you're going to go to glory in a glorified body. No more sickness, no more troubles, no more trial, no more tribulation. If you can believe that, then surely you can believe God to get healed. Surely you can believe God to get over some trouble you got in your life. Somebody say, I do have faith. I do. I do. I do. I'm preaching to myself up here. I'm about to get happy and take a lap. I do have faith. I'm not going to let these proud peacocks of God's zoo convince me that I don't have something just because I had a few trials and tribulations in my life. Oh, the devil is a liar and that joker is too. I do have faith. Somebody say, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> Hey, glory. I don't have to go get none. He gave me the measure. (laughs) Oh, apostle, I feel mighty good right now. I got it. Somebody shout, I got it. (laughs) See, Holy Spirit spoke to me the other day and said to me, for many, the lack of faith is not the problem. It's too much doubt. Too much unbelief. So it's not that you don't have faith. It's that you probably allow too much unbelief to get in there and unbelief doesn't take your faith away it just keeps the faith from operating unbelief gets in the way it blocks so you start trying to operate in faith and unbelief says no 
this is too hard. You've been in it too long. You tried last time and it didn't work. You hadn't seen that happen for anybody else. That's what unbelief does. So the problem is not that you don't have faith. The problem is we have too much what? Unbelief. Boy, I tell you, I'm trying to teach this thing. So here's an object lesson. Are you ready? Here's an object lesson. Mark 9, starting at verse 17. Watch this. And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son possessed with the spirit, which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground. And he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling on the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it has often thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if I can... All things are possible to him who what? Believe. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, read it with me. I do believe. Help my. He said, I do believe. But I'm struggling. Because I got unbelief too. I have both of them coexisting in my spirit and in my mind. And unbelief is fighting my belief. So I do believe, but I need you to help me. Don't help me with my faith. That ain't what he asked for. He said, help me with this unbelief. He didn't say, give me more faith. He didn't say, help me believe. He said, help me with this sickening unbelief. That's what I need help with. You gave me faith. I proved to you he had faith. He brought him to Jesus. It'll both shock. Well, I feel your anointing in here, God. He brought him to Jesus. And when the disciples failed, he stayed and waited. stayed and he waited for Jesus to come down from off the mountain. He stayed. I don't know how long it took him up there to transfigure, but however long it took, he waited. Somebody need to learn how to wait. He's on his way. He's on his way, but you need to learn how to wait. Somebody shout, he's on his way. He's on his way. But he waited for him. And, 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 and so watch the enemy now. When Jesus gets there, when Jesus gets there, he throws a little boy on the ground. See, that's to feed that unbelief. He can't take your faith, but he can add to the unbelief. So, so he, so he throws him on the ground and Jesus doesn't even trip. Jesus sees the boy wilding on the ground and instead of dealing with the boy, he deals with the father. Because the father is the one that brought the boy. So he goes to him and says, how long has he been this way? And you can tell when somebody's scared. 
Because when you're scared, you talk a lot. All he asked him was, how long has he been this way? All he had to do was say, from a child. But because he's nervous, he says every time he gets by the fire, he falls in. Every time he gets by the water, he gets in there and the spirit tries to drown him. Jesus didn't ask him for that additional information. But because he's nervous, he's just running his mouth. Hoping that if I just tell him one more thing, that he'll fix it for me. Hoping that if I explain it in another way, that he'll fix it for me. See, you done told him what the issue is. Now all you got to do is believe. But because you're scared, you keep praying over the same thing over and over and over again. Hoping that maybe you get it right this time. You had it right the first time. Just believe. I got to calm myself down here. Somebody shout, just believe. Hallelujah, Jesus. Somebody said, I do have faith. He says, how long has he been to this other child? But every time he goes by the water, he falls in. Every time he goes by the fire, he falls in. He's burned up. He's almost drowned several times. And he said, and he says, but if you can do anything, if you can do anything, please help us. And Jesus says, if I can. If, if I can. Jesus was talking like if, if and me don't go together. He like if and me don't go together. You, you shouldn't be even using that in the same sentence. He said, listen, let me tell you, son. Let me tell you something. A few, a few things are possible to him that believes. A couple. Are y'all called it? A couple of things. This thing and only this thing. Uh-uh. How many things did he say? Oh. All things are possible to him. What? That belief. Not to him who gets more faith. Not to him that has big faith. To him that believes. Whether you got a pound or 10 pounds. If you can manage to believe with what you got, all things are possible. Oh my God. So the man said, well, I believe I need some help. Anybody in here willing to be that honest? That's what you call gut level honesty. And he wasn't, he wasn't born to the side with Jesus. He had to confess that he had issues with unbelief in front of all them people. That's when you know you really want it. You know you really want it when you don't care who hear you struggle. <laughs> it don't matter. Look at my son's sick. I don't care what y'all think about me. I need some help. Because I'm the one that got to go home with this boy. I'm the one that got to fish him out of the fire and get him out of the water. Ain't none of y'all got to deal with that stuff. So you can turn your nose up with me as much as you want to. But I need some help. Somebody shout help. Too much pride in the body of Christ. Being too proud. Oh, stop that. Go to be humble and admit you need some help. Is there anybody in here who needs some help this morning? Somebody say, Lord, help me. I'm tired of us coming to church lying and putting on the front and we suffering and going through all kinds of craziness. It's time for us to get real with God. Help me with this unbelief. 
you're the one that's got to deal with what you're scared of. You're the one that's got to handle and go back home. And nobody else in this room has got to carry what you're carrying. So why are we so concerned about people's perception of us when they're the one that need to holler help to? All of us need some help in here. With something, we present well in church, but back at the house, help! Somebody just need to scream, help! I got faith, but I'm struggling. I came to you because I believed you, but there's so much stuff. So you got to look at his history, y'all. This has been happening since he's been a little boy. So he got years of this stuff. Years of falling in fires. Years of foaming at the mouth. Years. Come on, y'all. Years of it. And then I bring him to your disciples and they can't do nothing. And then I bring him to you when now he's on the ground and the devil's having his way with him. You can understand while I'm, while I'm struggling. Huh? That is real life, man. Real stuff. And we be judging people. They've been going through something for a long, long, long time. We had a toe ache for a week. We tripping. Somebody been sick for years. They struggling. That's why people won't be honest. To help me with my unbelief, I gotta, I gotta hurry up. I got like six minutes. Help, help here is to run on a call to help. I thought about what you used to do, Dad. Hustle for a living. You Ethel. I used to go on calls. People would call 911. And if they had a fire or some other type of emergency that maybe the police could handle or the EMS, they would go on the call for help. And when they got there, listen, when they got there, they wouldn't just stand there and look at the person who needed help. They'd immediately begin to move and give the help that was needed. In the Greek, it means to call, uh, to run on a call of help. It means to hasten to the help of the oppressed and then give them the help. But in the NLT, it, it, the father, it says the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. That's what he's saying. I believe, I have faith, but I've got this unbelief too. So Jesus, would you help me? Would you help me? Because if you help me, my son will be helped. If you could just help me with this unbelief thing, if this ever happened to my son again, Because see, you don't need, <clears throat> see, if he only, if he gave you more faith for this thing, then when this thing was over, if a bigger thing came, so what you need is you need to be able to kill that unbelief so that no matter what you come up against, your faith can operate. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. 
It's the doubt that we need to get rid of. That's what it is. So that we can operate in our faith. Another object lesson, second one. Mark 5, 35-36. While he yet spake, there came from the rule of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid. Only believe. Huh? Only? Only. The word only is monos, which means and nothing more. So what he says to the father is believe and nothing more. Don't even let doubt in. See, before doubt had an opportunity to creep in. <laughs> he said, uh, don't you listen to that. Believe and nothing more. Now, he says this for some mighty good reasons. He had to have faith, right, Apostle? Because he brought his little, he came looking for Jesus to go help the little girl, right? And, and he waited while Jesus dealt with the woman with the issue of blood. And then he heard the woman with the issue of blood proclaim her healing. He heard her testimony. So all of this is doing what? Building his faith. But now comes one of the servants and says she's dead. Now, you win in faith, Jairus. And your faith has been building by what you saw and what you heard. Now, your servant comes from the house and tells you, your daughter's dead. Keep the faith now. But you can't go based on what you saw happen for the woman with the issue of blood. You have to stand on what made you go find Jesus. See, we're too sensual. He saw and he heard and it got boosted. He heard one bad thing and it was on its way down. You have to stand on what made you go to Jesus in the first place, no matter what changes. What we got to learn how to do is believe only. Problem not that you don't have faith. You do have faith. And unbelief is a booger bear. Come on, let's be honest. Every chance the enemy gets brings that unbelief and pushes it right on in it, doesn't he? How many of y'all went to the Lord? Come on, tell the truth. You went to the Lord, believe in the Lord, confessing, speaking the word, praying and prophesying, speaking in tongues and all of that, slinging oil. How many of y'all did that? And then something sensual happened. You got a letter. You got a phone call. It started feeling bad. See, that's sensual. You have to remember what made you go and sling that all in the first place. Believe only.
Let's wrap this up. Two more verses and we're done. Luke 17, 5 through 6. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Say what? Now, check this out. Thank you, darling. Check this out. Jesus had just been talking to them about forgiveness. And they say, if our brother does us wrong seven times, should we forgive him? Jesus said, I say not unto thee seven times, but seventy. So the disciples sat down and started ciphering. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. And they said, Lord, increase our faith. Because <laughs> of the same joker. <laughs> y'all, why y'all acting all holy in front of him? Because of the same joker do me wrong that many times, it's going to be a struggle to forgive him. So we're going to need a faith increase. They said, Lord, increase our faith. And, and, and the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it shall obey you. Now, take a minute to absorb this imagery. There's a sycamine tree in front of you. Between you and the execution of the word of God. And you got to do what God said. He said, if you could have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, did you get up in front of that tree and say, be thou removed and it'll root up. And he said, you can plant it in the sea. Plant it. Plant it in there. Not that it's floating on the water. Plant it in the sea. Replant it in another place. He says, and it'll do what you say. He didn't say with a bushel of mustard seed. He said with one grain of a mustard seed. You can tell whatever's in front of you. To get out of my way. And it's got to obey. I ain't finished. I ain't finished. One more. Matthew 17. Y'all ready to go already? Matthew 17, verse 19, watch. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? Now, this is Matthew's, this is Matthew's adi- uh, edition of what we read earlier, I believe, in Mark. This is his edition of, of, of the little boy with the spirit of the lunatic. And so now the disciple pulled Jesus to the side because they're like, oh, wait a minute now. We should have been able to do this. Jesus come up here that easy and the devil going out of that boy and something wrong. So we need to know what we need to fix. So they say, Jesus, why couldn't we cast them out? Jesus responds, and Jesus said to them, because of your. It's the unbelief. (laughs) For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith, are you going here again? As a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain. Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible for you. Same seed? No, 
Y'all ain't serious. Same seed, moving mountains and trees. Give us the next slide. See, I told my wife I had to be real with her. We said I had a little conversation yesterday. Every night in your to have a conversation with your spouse and with the word of God. And I was telling her what was in my spirit because I wanted to make sure, you know, sometimes I, I share stuff, make sure all my thoughts in line. You understand? And so I'm sharing with her what I'm, what I'm feeling in my spirit and I'm talking to her about this seed thing. And, and, and I told my wife, I said, I done got to a point where I can speak to trees. Just, just my confession now. Don't, y'all ain't none of y'all got to be honest or nothing like this. This is me now. This, I'm working my stuff out right now. I got to the point in my life where I could speak to a tree. Get out of here. Be planted into the sea. And don't worry about it. I'm looking for the tree to go. I'm looking for it to move. Because it's a tree. I've been, I've been working with trees for a while. And I got that. I got trees. But then. This joker here come up. Now. Now, Warner, I'm going. Oh, my goodness. Lord, what am I going to do? Lord, I need you to increase my faith. Yeah, I'm praying for faith now. Help me believe. And the Lord is saying, next slide. The Lord, the Lord is saying, the Lord is saying. Same thing that dealt with your tree. Look at that. You see that little thing? It moves trees and mountains. That unbelief. We got to get out of here. Thinking we got to have more. He said increase our faith. He said no. Use what you got. You asking me for more? Why would I give you more if you hadn't used what you got? No, you can build it. You keep dealing with them trees. If your fight is on a tree level, keep dealing with trees. Because every tree you get out of your way by faith is building your faith. So that when you come up on the mountain... Your confidence in God is so strong. You'll be able to say, mountain, get out of my way. Because in life, there are trees and mountains. Let's be honest. A lot of us in here, we've been casting out shrubbery. Oh, come on. Let's just be honest. Some of us ain't even the shrubbery yet. We casting out flowers, geraniums, and tulips, begonias. And, and some of us have graduated to, 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 to move in, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, what they call them pretty ones that grow out there, uh, the ones with all the flowers on them. Dog, no, not dogwoods. We ain't there yet. Azaleas. We moving azaleas and Laura Pedlums and, and, and some of us then moved up the palm trees and dogwoods and, and some of us are staring the mighty oaks in the face. And, but it's when the mountain comes. God, 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I have enough faith for that. He says, I want you to start a business. Go back to college. Believe God for your total healing. See, some of us, we're dealing with shrubbery. I've, I believe God to feel better today. But the prompt from God is to believe for total healing. That's a mountain, baby. But the woman with the issue of blood, she had to deal with some stuff before she got healed. When she got to Jesus, it was a bunch of people there. That's just to say, well, I ain't come all this way. Some of y'all, you know what? Some of you need to have an attitude about your breakthrough. And I'm not just preaching to you, preaching to me too. We need to get an attitude. I ain't leaving here sick. That's what she said. I am not leaving here sick. I come too far, been through too doggone much. I'm going to touch him. Today. I ain't waiting for him to come back later. I'm touching him right now. She got on her knees and crawled over there. Touched him and his garment and was ready to go to the house. If it wasn't for Jesus stopping her, she just would have went home. Because she didn't want no celebrity. She just wanted healing. Care nothing about being written, remembered in the Bible. That wasn't her agenda. Deliverance was her agenda. She didn't want no testimony. We got to back this thing up to what really matters. Nobody believe it with me. Nobody won't support me. You better believe with you. Who was in her prayer circle? Huh? What sisters from the local church went with her down there? Not a soul. Some people waiting back at the house and you got to put them out. When Jairus got there, Jesus said, everybody out. And even nine of the disciples couldn't go. Better stop right there. It's time to go.